come. There's plenty of space. You can move chairs so you can see everybody. They're in the middle of a conversation. We'll get back to you. Can you all see? This is good. It's just all, all profiles. I like it. I like it a lot. If you all can't see, if you want to move Tom and crew, if you guys want to move over here, I don't know. If not, you're just kind of staring back at chairs. But your choice. No? Good? Yeah, all right, just giving options. Uh, at New Abbey, our mission statement is that we're a Jesus community telling a bigger story of God. That all of who we are here is really encompassed in that. The first part is Jesus. It's what we believe in. Uh, it's a way of life that we follow and that we live into. That what we believe about God is that God is incredibly universal and big and way beyond us. And that's something that the church throughout history has struggled with. There are times that new information or new data or new discoveries or new whatever makes the church scared. And it's always interesting to me when it makes the church scared because I'm like, God is not worried. About, God knew. God is aware. God is okay. God is okay. We're the ones who are not okay. And not only is God universal and bigger and can hold all things, but God can be personal and known and felt and experienced. And that's the beauty of what we find in Jesus, that we hold those two things together. Also, at the same time, we're a community. That if you come into this place and the job that we do here is just help you deal with like cognitive, rational, ideal things, like am I deconstructing and reconstructing, that is only going to take you so far. And many people in the progressive and liberal world, that's what we do. Now I have an opportunity in a community to vent all of the things out there and just to name all of the stuff and get myself all worked up. That's wonderful. But if you stop there, man, we're really just missing the opportunity to be human in the fullest ways. That we hopefully get to name those things so that we can live out and practice a different kind of humanity. And we believe that that humanity is lived in the fullest when we're connected with God. And then we want to tell a bigger story of God. That's just who we are and what we want to do. Uh, we live in an incredible time in history right now, right? There's like AI that's coming that is going to take most of our jobs. So like we have to deal with that. Um, we're discovering things about the universe, right, that we've never seen before because we have telescopes that are just going further and farther. We're discovering things about the human body and human brain and consciousness. And so it would be wild for me that a Jesus community couldn't keep pace with the evolution that's taking out there. Because as human beings, we still need to live into an ethic, into a morality, into a way of being so that we are, have integrity, and by that I mean integrated human beings, that we live to our healthiest, most transformed, healed places in this world. And at New Abbey, we do that by simply sharing our stories. That's how we encompass all of those things. Uh, what I love about telling the biggest story of God is that I believe that Scripture and the faith tradition that we come from has always been telling that story. It's just many of us were told that the story that the Bible is telling or that our faith tradition is telling is somehow a limited story. And that's not what I see in the scriptures or our faith tradition in any way, shape, or form. So I just want to reframe one thing of where we've been at, and hopefully that sets up where we're at today with these incredible human beings that are sitting up here. Is that we've been in the book of Acts for the last month, and I just want to tell you the book of Acts story very, very quickly. There is a conservative majority in the world 2,000 years ago. When I say conservative, I do not mean political. When I say conservative, I mean that you want to conserve something because that thing is working for you. That's why you conserve it, right? And then you do everything you can to protect that. Not because you're bad, evil, or malicious, because this thing works for you. 
It may not work for other people, and you may not care because this thing works for you, and so you're trying to get everyone else to do things this way. The conservative majority 2,000 years ago had a very specific view of God and a very specific view of life, and there was a temple. God was literally in a box, and if you challenge that God was in this box, literally, and now for us figuratively and metaphorically 2,000 years ago, people would be very mad at you, so much so that they might even kill you. Conservatism has never changed. It always is in a place that you are conserving something that works for you, and you will defend it to the point of killing other human beings because this thing works for you. Now, hear that in you because you are all in a church and there might come a day where you're the conservatives in this place. Well, that's not how we used to do things five years ago. Well, I remember when we did stuff like that, or this is what I want. We all can be conservative in aspects of our life. Progressivism is I am progressing from that thing because although this thing over here might work for me, what I realize is it doesn't work for everybody. And so I must progress from this thing because there's a bigger narrative of what God is doing out there. So 2,000 years ago, there's this conservative majority of church, and they have all of the money and all of the power. they got the government connections. You name the thing. I know this sounds familiar. And there's a small band of people who come along, and they follow this way of Jesus. And this way of Jesus is radical. It's queer as fuck. Like, there's a lot of things going on here, right? And I know you didn't see that one coming, but to really think about the life of Jesus, that's really what it is. Amen. Right? In a beautiful way that we have so much to learn from it because it was queer, because it was bigger, because it was different, because it was expansive, because it wasn't binary. And that's the gift of it. And it was including all people into this beautiful story of who God is. And everyone was terrified of that story. And even in the early church, when they agreed on this Jesus thing, they're like, well, I know we agree on it, but if we're gonna do it, you still gotta eat certain foods and cut certain parts of your bodies in certain ways. And they're like, nah, I don't think that's actually accurate. I think that as this thing expands and as we include more people into the story, it's going to have to evolve because they have a different story than us. And that story is not challenging us. That story is actually expanding who we are as human beings and who God is as well. So I say that because the story hasn't changed. As human beings, this is what we do. As I said in the beginning, we're in a time and place in our own country and in the world where there are people trying to conserve some things. This is what it means to be a man and a woman. This is what a family looks like. This is what it means to be Christian. This, 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 this. And there's many of us sitting in this room saying, ah, but that thing's not working for me anymore, and I don't think that thing works for everybody. And so we want to keep telling a story where this thing gets to progress, get bigger, grow beyond, because we know that when every human being's story is not just affirmed, but celebrated, that actually shows more of who God is that doesn't limit who God is. And the more fully that we see God, the more fully that we see ourselves. And that's what we do at New Abbey. So if we're gonna tell a bigger story of God, we're gonna talk about some things. We're gonna talk about Mindy Painter, and we're gonna talk about Candace and Crystal Zubernot. Your names are on the board behind you. We're gonna talk about Joseph Rebus, and we're gonna talk about Karen Fields. And so these are uh, five wonderful moms in our community. Uh, and you all have very different stories, and it is an honor that you are sitting up here. By the way, these are some killer chairs, okay? Uh, this is from the show Legendary. I know if you're around here, like, I thought we were talking about the budget's been tight. We did not buy these. <laughs> Just, you know, but I forgot. If you want to tithe to New Abbey, you text one word, New Abbey, to 77977. I forgot that part. Um, 
So thanks, David and Scout Productions from the show Legendary that we get to have these things. But we're telling a bigger story of God uh, with all of you. And so this is going to be an opportunity of storytelling. What is beautiful about New Abbey, I say this all the time, it's not the pastors who are up front. It's not the music that we sing. It's not how big is the thing. It's your lives. You are the body of Christ, and we want to constantly showcase you in your lives. So give it up for uh, what we're talking about today, these wonderful human beings. And... They're just going to start off by describing their family. Mindy's going to start for us. Uh, Mindy's just this incredible human being who I'm going to hopefully not steal any of your thunder, but the way that you talk about mothering, the narrative that you've gone through has led you from infertility to Tennessee to Florida to Africa, all over the world, and here in this place. And we're just so grateful that you can share with us. So tell us a little bit about your family. Hello, everyone. Um, I also want to say hello to my mom because I think she's watching us online. So I love you, mom. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, my name is Mindy, and I am married to Rich. Um, Rich, would you just raise your hand just so that people see? That's my husband, Rich. We have been married for 22 years almost, coming up. And um, we have a 12-year-old son um, named Liam, who we adopted from Uganda almost nine years ago. And this was after nine years of trying and waiting to start our family. Learning I had endometriosis, we had a failed IVF, and ultimately grieving the loss of my dream of carrying a baby. It was a dream I had since I was a little girl. And so I say all this because I think it is important to see the journey. Um, but also, as Corey mentioned, Mother's Day was difficult for me for a number of years. Um, I think it's good to acknowledge that this holiday can often be challenging for a variety of reasons. So if that's you, if you're feeling some of that today, um, you're not alone. And if it helps, we can all just take a big, deep breath right now and just, we're together, okay? So maybe let's just do that. Just inhale in and exhale. And just know that you're seen and loved and held here today. And if anybody wants to talk afterwards, I, I'm here and available. Um, when I came in today, I was like, it's Mother's Day, and I'm going to be on a throne. <laughs> and I get to, like, be on the top of a throne. Not to, like, place myself above you guys or anything, but... But I am. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, my name's Crystal Zubernot, and this is my smoking hot wife, Candace oh, Zubernot. Yeah. We've been married for just uh, 10 years this month, and together for 18 uh, and of course, we couldn't get married until 10 years ago. And we got married in May. In June, we started IVF. Um, so our kids are nine because um, my wife would not have babies with me until we got married, as a conservative Christian would do. <laughs> she made me wait, she put a ring on it, all the things. Um, we met in seminary, as lesbians do. <laughs> And so um, now we have two tomorrow. Our kids will be our twin boy girl twins, Deacon and Dylan, will be 
nine years old, and um, we're living a life we were told we would not be able to live together as mothers. Anything you want to add? Like, nope, yeah. yeah, Mr. Joseph Rivas. Uh, or as uh, your girls call you, mommy. They do. Yeah. Hi, new Abby. Um, I'm a little nervous, but I just, um, I want to say that I grew up with a mother who was to me. She taught me everything about God, about prayer, and about life. And um, I lost her many years ago. And as a child, I would go to a church with her, and this church told me that I was going to burn in hell, fire and brimstone. So I was always very confused because here I had the most beautiful spiritual mom who told me I'm accepted and loved and I'm okay, but the church told me otherwise. Anyway, uh, I have a partner, David Collins. We've been together for 12 years now and we have Ella and Olive um, and I've been in their lives since they were two years old. And from the get-go, um, they started calling me mommy and I wasn't sure what that meant or how to deal with it and we talked to therapists and they're like if that's the energy that they identify you with then it's okay and so i've spent the last 12 years being mommy not just to them but to david as well um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and that's not a joke <laughs> and he got you on that one <laughs> but um yeah i I sit up here, and, and today, this morning, on my way here, I was just thinking about my mom and how proud she would have been that I chose to live and I accepted God's grace and love in any way that it came instead of trying to conform it to be a certain way or to follow a certain church. And I get to sit up here with these beautiful women and, and be, you know, part of what mother means in 2023 to this world, so. Uh, this is Karen Fields, who is just w w so grateful for. She's also our children's and family pastor, so you're welcome. Yes. And I, A, it's just a rare day that you're here, and that you sit on a throne here is more deserving. Um, and I know that you also feel quite comfortable in it, so, yeah. I love it here. Yeah. It's so great. Johnny, we need some tissues. We are not going to yeah, make it. Yeah. Johnny's so coming. just yep. plop a box right here. Hey, everybody. I'm Karen. Mark's my husband. Cute little chocolate man back there. We have three daughters. Gianna's 11. Brielle is eight. Cadence is six. Um, yeah, and we are just doing life. Figuring it out, raising black and Filipino children is a adventure in itself, and yeah, it's just a really beautiful gift. I have a complicated relationship with my mom. She is an immigrant, and so she didn't know anything about American culture and just kind of had to figure it out. Um, she wasn't particularly nurturing, so that's been a big part of my mothering journey is just how to be just tender and soft to these girls who have lots of feelings and emotions from the moment they wake up until they go to sleep. So. I love it. Well, one of the things I appreciate about you, Karen, is your honesty in mothering and the honesty of just 
place in life that you have these young black Filipino girls living in America in 2023. Um, the way that you protect them, care for them, make them brave, make them strong. Um, you can cry, oh, cry it up, that's good, yeah. And I think the honesty that we talk at times of, this is for all of us in the room. Sometimes being parents, you're like, oh, parenting is hard. There's days that you wake up, you're like, oh, there's not like return item here, you know? Like this is, this is a thing that we're gonna keep doing. Um, yeah, I'm just grateful for your vulnerability and all of that. Uh, we're a church, and so I'd love to hear about, uh, maybe we'll start with you, Candace and Crystal, just what's God like in your life right now as moms and with your kids? Yeah, when um, Crystal's joking, I am kind of a traditional person, so um, I did make her get married before we had kids. I did not make her wait to have sex, though. Yeah. So I'm not, yeah. not that traditional. Um, but um, it wasn't worth waiting for. It was. It was too good to wait. Yeah, that's right. Was, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but one of the the other traditional things I wanted was to raise our kids in church, um, even though church and faith had been. Uh, a place of pain and trauma. It also had been so beautiful and um, it guided my entire life and I loved growing up in the church um, and I loved God and the Bible and, and so when we had kids, um, we actually hadn't gone to church for um, almost 20 years and um, I was like, I really, really want us to raise our kids in church um, and we live in LA and it'll be so easy to find a place. Um, and then it wasn't, it wasn't very easy and that was really painful. Um, but we found New Abbey eventually, uh, this beautiful place. And uh, Corey, Even you thought we were a cult. The first I did day. think yeah. I yeah. do. I did think it was a Which, cult. Yeah, <laughs> it's still okay. debatable. It's still debatable, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's all true, fun and games until true. I get a private jet. Yes. The first time I was like, we got to get out of here. And then mm -hmm. Crystal, I looked over and she was like crying. And I was like, uh oh. Like, uh, I guess we'll give it another try. Um, but Corey often says, like, we want New Abbey to be a place where our kids um, don't have to unlearn as much as we did. Um, and I kind of think that might just be a part of growing up in life and parenting. I think there probably will still be lots that they unlearn. But, um, you know, recently we were talking to the kids about God and and we're at the dinner table and I'm just like, I cannot believe we're having this conversation. And Deacon is like, you know, God, I think God is trans um, because God is they and he and she. And then Dylan pipes in and she's like, no, I mean, God really doesn't have a gender. So less of like trans and, and I'm thinking like, I don't not I'm not really sure what to say except for like, yeah, whoa. Um, and I would love to take credit for that conversation and the fact that here our nine-year-olds are thinking about a bigger God than I am thinking about. Um, and I know we're not absent of it, but I, I just can see reflections of our community 
and those of you who um, take your time and heart to volunteer with our kids, uh, it's not small, and we see it around the dinner table when they are reflecting God's uh, wonderful, beautiful, uh, genderless, trans self uh, in our home. So, By the way, I need a tissue. You made a volunteer plug in the middle of that? That is everything that I want as a pastor. I love that. Karen, what about you? What's God like right now? I was like, what is the question? I'm just here in this moment with you. That was beautiful. What is God like? Yeah, for your family right now. I grew up with this picture of God who just was really intense, who wasn't near, like there was a huge disconnect between me and God. Um... I never felt like the warmth or gentleness of a God, really until I became a mom. Um, and more specifically over the last five to six years, I've just kind of been on this journey of, there's just gotta be a different way, right? There, this can't be the, the God that I, there, there has to be more. And I, I see these beautiful girls growing and I know and I feel in my gut there has to be more. There has to be a different version of God. And, yeah, it's just this journey has just been hard. And I, I just needed that. I think I just needed that for myself. I needed to just reframe and reclaim an image of God that was tender and soft for me as I am raising these kids. And we were really young when we had them infants. I look at Isaiah and I'm like, oh my God, I had a kid pretty much not long after I graduated college. And so God is mother to me now, you know, God is soft and gentle. And I feel so connected to nature <laughs> with all this, all, all the rain that we got, right? It's just so beautiful everywhere. And every time I see poppies, I go crazy. I'm like, oh my God, look at these poppies. And the girls are like, mom, <laughs> it's just a flower. But it, it's not just a flower to me. I really just feel like I, I see God everywhere. Just like these little glimpses and reminders that I'm here. I'm with you. I haven't left you. That I've been in the heart and I'm his mom. <laughs> I've been in these seasons with you. And I know it feels, it, okay, just stay with me, okay. All this rain, right, that we've gotten, it just feels like a metaphor for my life. It just doesn't stop. Just so much darkness and hurt and pain. And then I just see all these beautiful flowers and all the lush, like, foothills that we live behind or in front of. And I'm like, God, okay. You are bigger than I could have ever imagined. And I'm just so grateful that I get to just bask in it, you know. And then it's, I know this is, this is a lot, but it's people like Mindy, I feel, who are just so very naturally nurturing, who just really are tender to my heart and nurture my own heart, and it helps me just have a bigger perspective and a bigger, yeah. All of this is just a, the God that I needed, and I'm just so grateful for these lessons that I've been learning. Okay, that's Oh, that was so good. <laughs> Joe, how are you guys seeing God in your life and your family right now? 
it every day. We talk about it every day. Uh, when I, uh, when me and David became a union and decided to make us a family, we made a decision that we wanted God and church at the forefront of our, our lives and our relationship together and, and to help our girls grow up in that because we both grew up understanding the beauty and the importance of that. And we went to many churches here in Los Angeles and um, always with trepidation, you know, just worried that one day we're going to hear something that's going to tell us you don't belong here. And we did, did a lot. Um, and I remember at a church that starts with an H um, here in L.A. on Mother's Day. Um, we, yes, exactly. <laughs> we, we walked, we took our kids to Mother's Day church that day and we, Sunday school, right? And uh, we walked up to Sunday school and we handed the kids over and they're like, uh, we're like, you know, our kids, you know, you know, they don't have a mom. And he's like, well, you know that the Bible says everybody has a mom. And, and it was so disheartening because he, they were so adamant that like, no, we're gonna teach them that they, you know, this part and they can't make a card for their grandmother or, or their nana, which we love. Um, and so for a while we struggled uh, to find a place to call home, a place that we could raise our girls up and they could feel accepted and loved no matter what. Uh, more importantly, us as a family feel accepted and loved and we found you, Abby. And uh, I remember praying for years to God, please help us find a home somewhere where we belong. And um, David made an adventure into New Abbey on his own um, and then pulled us in. And I also came in here. And all these, and the funny thing is, all these years I prayed for this, right, like this acceptance in church. And the minute I got here, I felt like, mm, what's going on here? This is uncomfortable. This, this feels like a cult. You know, like what's really going on? But it was, it was. All right. It was weird because everything I had prayed for and wanted for our family was here. And when I had it and it was there, it was uncomfortable. It was, it was, um, yeah. But I'm so grateful to call this place home. To go to a church where I know I am loved for every part of who I am and accepted and recognized. And that my family matters and is important just like everyone else's. And that to me, for my girls, for all the children, is like the most beautiful gift. And yeah, that's it. I can't do it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. Andy, what about you all? Yeah, so God has been my rock. Um, motherhood has been a season of deep, deep spiritual formation for me. Um, it has grown me and transformed me and helped me experience God in a more intimate way. And I actually wrote down like a few things that came to mind, um, things that God has been helping me to learn. I'm not a pro at this, but I'm on the journey, learning how to be present, create healthy attachment, build trust, be consistent, learning how to create safety, a space of belonging, sacrifice, being humble, learning how to let go of control, 
how to grow in patience, how to offer unconditional love, grace, and forgiveness. The importance of reconciliation. Learning how to enjoy childlike wonder, how to connect with gratitude when things feel overwhelming, and how to offer support and encouragement. And the last thing that came to mind was um, learning about my flaws and my own weaknesses and the importance of caring for myself and healing myself um, and mothering myself so that I can show up and care for others in a better way. I was just really excited thinking about Mother's Day this year, thinking about having each of you up here, uh, thinking about what you represent for our community. Because again, it's what I love about all of us. It's what each of you represent. Uh, every single person here, your experience, your narrative, your life really matters. We all have the opportunity to learn from one another. We have the opportunity to learn about our own humanity. We have the opportunity to learn about who God is. That's the work that we do. Uh, and who God is is so much bigger than any of us can hold on to. And I love that. Uh, and at the same time, we need to see ourselves in people. We need to be able to look up front sometimes and say, ah, me too. I'm not alone. That's my story. I see myself there. And if I can connect with that, imagine what else I can connect with. So thank you all for participating in that. Thank you all for living in that. Uh, apparently we're a cult, so <laughs> that's also fascinating. Maybe it's all the Enneagram language, I don't know. Um, but I think sometimes it's also the reality of it's uncomfortable when things, we want something different and yet we're still used to something traditional. And when we begin to talk and expand and put language and practice to something that is not normal for us, uh, that's uncomfortable. Uh, and we're all growing in that thing together. So would you give it up for everybody that's up here and for their stories? And this is just how we do it. So you're going to find those same three or four people around you and close with this question, which is, how can you tell a bigger story of God? Enjoy. Enjoy.